1: The sweet presence of the Holy Spirit is in this house. I'd like for all the men of the house who uh, would like to join me at the altar as we pray for a move of God today to join me. Don't feel obligated, but if you'd like to come and kneel with the men in this house here at this altar as as we pray together. Brother Derek Gray, would you come to the rostrum with me and would you lead in this prayer?
2: Father, we just uh, we take a minute right now uh, to do what we should do every single Sunday, and that is to invite you into this place. Because yes. without you, it's, it just means nothing. Without your presence, the, the words that spoke fall on deaf ears. Without your presence, the, the songs we sing are, are pretty, but they're no different from the world. But God, your presence, your spirit takes those words. And it it regenerates, it changes lives, it, it 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 does something inside of us. Thank you, Lord, that God, that draws us closer to you. Thank you, Lord. And so, Father, right now, as Pastor Henry prepares to come and open Your Word, I pray that You do something that men cannot do. Yes, Lord, that You take Amen. these words that are spoken and You make them life unto our very bones. God, You can do this, Holy Spirit. You can do this, and as men. You have given us a a leadership position. We didn't ask for it. Some of us may not even have wanted it, but God, You said, this is the way that I've ordained it to be. And so as men, we stand here right now and we cede authority to You. We invite You into this place. We ask You to come right now for these next few minutes. And God, we ask You as men, You be the head. You be the leader. You be the one that does the work. You be the one that takes over control. You be the one that gets all the glory for everything that happens. Yes, Lord. And Father, I do promise in my life, and I hope these other men do as well, that when it's all said and done and we walk out of here this day, whatever happens, Father, we will give you the glory. That's right. We will give you the glory. That's right. So I ask you right now, do it today for your son's sake. Do it Mm -hmm. today. Yes. For the glory of your Son, that Jesus Christ would be lifted up Mm -hmm. and glorified in everything that happens from this point forward. Yes, Lord. And we ask all this in His name. Amen.
1: Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. You can tell our church is aging (laughs) by the collective groan (laughs) that comes from this altar when the men have to help one another up (laughs) off their knees. And so, uh, praise God for a church filled with men who love Jesus and women. But you know, there have been times in the past when women carried the load. Had it not been for godly women, churches would have gone under. Thank God for the women. But as Derek prayed, this is God's design that men lead out in the church and in the home and lead in a godly Christian fashion. Please please open your Bibles to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. And we'll begin in chapter 5, verse 12 here in just a moment. And while you're turning, I want to remind you that two weeks from this morning, we will have our dome celebration. It'll be kind of like dinner on the grounds. Uh, we're asking you to bring your Sunday lunch, Sunday dinner, bring enough for your family and a few more of our guests, and uh, we'll have somewhat of an abbreviated service, probably clear this area out over here, set the tables. Rather than calling it dinner on the grounds, we call it dinner in the dome. And it's a great time of fellowship. And so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, be thinking about that and be preparing for that. And once again, Lori's already said this, no Wednesday night service. If you show up Wednesday night and you're the only one here, you may think the rapture has taken place and you missed it. And so, uh, so anyway, and we do that because we understand family time is so very important. And we want you to have a wonderful Thanksgiving and prepare for Thanksgiving and be blessed. So uh, you should have your Bibles open to First Thessalonians, chapter five, verse 12. And I want to tell you this morning we have come to the end of our study in the book of First Thessalonians. And I want to thank you uh, for your patience. I want to thank you for sometimes your endurance as we've made our way through this portion of God's Word. And I just have to tell you, there's a lot to be said for taking a book in the Bible and reading all the way through it, studying all the way through it, preaching all the way through it. It forces us to deal with the Scripture that we would not normally deal with. And so I just want to thank you. Now as we come to the end of our study in First Thessalonians, The Apostle Paul spent 17 verses talking about the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we covered that in detail. I spent four messages on that one subject, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he closes the book by giving us a laundry list of 17 things that we as Christians should do or not do. And these are just rules for... The Redeem, 17 verses, he talks about the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. And then finally, he gives 17 do's and don'ts for uh, the child of God. M- my Bible simply calls this various exhortations. I don't know what the heading is in your Bible, but that's a pretty good description of what we'll look at this morning. You have a handout, uh, and all 17 of those things on your handout will be in this text. So listen up as I begin to read uh, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. And we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all, See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Now Paul says Jesus Christ is coming back. And he, he goes into detail about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in rapid fire, he gives us 17 things that we as Christians should pay special attention to. Uh, rules for the redeemed, if you please, that will prepare us and get us ready for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now what I simply want to do this morning is I want to go over those 17 things. This is a 17-point message. I've instructed the ushers to lock the doors so that you can't leave. 17 points. In fact, I have been told that it is impossible for me to preach a 17-point message and get you out on time. But all things are possible with the Lord. So... So if you're ready, let's get started. You have your handout, you can simply follow along with me. Now, the first one is love and esteem your spiritual leaders. Now, this is an area where this church needs no instructions. And that's not uh, an exaggeration. You need no instructions in this area. Uh, The love, the support... The encouragement that this church gives me as a senior pastor and our other spiritual leaders is absolutely overwhelming. I'm telling you, it is incredible how much you have loved on us and how much you speak life into us as your spiritual leaders. You truly lift us up. And that encourages us to keep lifting the Word of God up, to keep lifting up. Uh, the things of the Lord and to keep ministering the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want to thank you, River of Life. You, you may not have any idea, the pastors in the house will know what I'm talking about, but you may not have any idea how difficult it is to minister the good news of Jesus when people are criticizing, when people are finding fault. When, when people are fighting against you, it is almost impossible to do that. And I thank God that, that this church in no way does that. It just doesn't happen in this church. And I thank you for that. If you're talking about me, it never gets to me. I don't hear it. And I don't believe that because one by one you encourage me and and the other staff members tell me the same thing and are bored. And I just want to thank you for loving and esteeming and building up your spiritual leaders. Now, did you notice in the text it says, this is very key to understand this, it says do it for their work's sake. Yeah. See, you don't do it for my sake even though all of us need to be loved and encouraged. But that's not the reason you do this. You do it for the work's sake. Because when you love on your spiritual leaders, when you encourage them, when you hold them up high, it encourages them to work and it enhances the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, praise God for a church that does just that. And I just want to thank you. The next one is that be at peace among yourselves. And this is another area where God has truly blessed this church. This is the most peaceful church I've ever been a part of in my life. Not just pastoring. I've never been a member of a church that's this peaceful. And I thank God for that. You see, the fact is, we just don't fuss and fight in this church. And that's an awesome thing. I didn't say we agree on everything. Sometimes we disagree, and that's okay. Okay. It's all right to disagree. Mature Christians will sometimes disagree, but mature Christians will never allow that disagreement to escalate to a point where it puts the reputation of the church in a bad light. Mature Christians just won't do that. They won't let it escalate into a church fight. And, and, And I'm glad, I am thrilled to be in a church that has the peace of God. all over it. Now granted, every now and then somebody gets upset and leaves the church. And, and that's truly regrettable. And I hope and pray that never happens again. And we'll get better at taking care of all of our members that come in. But it takes a mature church to respond to that the proper way. You, you see friends, a mature church will not let one person or one family cause the whole church to be pulled into a church fuss or a church fight. One more statement before I move on. Mature Christians who are walking with Jesus do not fuss and fight. They may disagree. And they may have to pray hard and work hard through that disagreement. But they don't fuss and fight to the expense of the reputation of the church or the ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, the next one is warn those who are unruly. I was a little bit unsure about what this meant and so I looked up that word unruly in the Greek and it means deviating from the prescribed order of rule. It is used in Greek society of those who did not show up for work. An unruly person wouldn't show up for work. Now... In this case, it's obvious it is talking about those who have deviated from a close walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and those who are no longer showing up for worship. And it says, warn the unruly. Now, this is not talking about being out a Sunday or a couple of Sundays. We all do that from time to time. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. This is talking about us as a church warning those who are growing cold in their faith And and they are deviating from that close walk with Jesus. And what it means is is that we need to reach out to them. We need to reach down to them. We need to minister to them. We need to encourage them. You know, one of the things every one of us could do today is look around. That's kind of a holiday and our attendance is down today. But you know if there's somebody that sits in your area that you haven't seen in two or three Sundays or four or five Sundays, just give them a call. Warn the unruly. Now don't say, I'm calling you because you're being unruly. Just say, I'm calling you because I miss you and God wants me to encourage you to come back to church with us. And so we love and esteem our spiritual leaders. We're to be at peace among ourselves. We're to warn those who are unruly. And then we are to comfort the faint-hearted. That word faint-hearted means those who are lacking in courage. Those who are timid. Those who are... Are frightened as it were, those who are unsure of themselves. And by the way, don't we all kind of start the Christian life out that way? And and it it says to comfort the faint hearted. It doesn't say criticize the faint hearted. It doesn't say scold the faint hearted. It it says comfort the faint hearted. And, And then the next one really just continues the thought, uphold the weak. Uphold the weak. You see, in every church there are people who are weak. Now we all look beautiful this morning. But there are those among us today who are weak and struggling. Churches always have those who are weak. And what we need to do is we need to uphold the weak. The idea is that you take them by the arm. You put their arm around your neck. You put your hand around their body. And you hold somebody up so that they can stand with your help who would not be able to stand in their own strength. You see, friends, every church has those who are weak and they need people to hold them up until they can be strong. This is an absolutely beautiful thing at work in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, we all need to be held up at times when we're weak. There will be times. Don't let this shock you. There will be times when I, as your senior pastor, will be weak. And I will need you to hold me up. And there will be times when you will be weak. And you'll need us to hold you up. And it's a beautiful thing when that takes place. You see, we don't criticize the weak. We don't condemn the weak. We don't gossip about the weak. We don't say mean things to the weak. What do we do? We hold them up. We hold them up until they're strong enough to stand On their own. And then, the next one is be patient with all. That's everybody. That's those inside the household of faith. That's those aggravating, mean-spirited, hateful, demonic people who have never met Jesus and are living like the devil and for the devil. Are you with me? You have to be patient with them. You have to be patient with one another. Why would the Bible tell us this? Because it's easy to be impatient. It's easy to get aggravated with people. We don't all think alike. We don't all look alike. We don't all act alike. We don't all like the same things. Man, we are a diverse group of people, aren't we? Some of you like music that's fast and loud. Come on. Some of you do. Some of you like music that's quiet and soft. And slow. Any old folks here that like? <laughs> some of you like a service where we raise the roof shouting for the glory of God. And some of you... Yeah? Alright. If you keep stirring long enough, you know, people will get with you. Some, of, some people like a service that's more reverent and more quiet. And... You see, we like all, do- some of us like all of it, don't we? We like it loud, we like it soft, we like it fast, we like it slow, we like it all. And, and, and the point is, is we're all different. We all have different likes and dislikes, don't we? You are a child of God. And the person sitting next to you, though they don't think like you or like the same things you like, they are a child of God. And you have to be patient with one another. Look at the person next to you and say, please be patient with me. Boy, you guys really need some patience, don't you? I mean, y'all really need some patience. By the way, this is a little off the subject, but I guess it does involve patience. How do you like the way your pastor is dressed today? Somebody told me a while ago, they said, I saw you standing up front, and they said, oh my goodness, the pastor's got a suit on. And said, then I got up here and I saw you had blue jeans on. And uh, uh, everybody's talking about my blue jeans this morning, and so, uh, uh, and and this coat, I'm trying to be good. I don't know if I can make it all the way through this message with this coat on, but it's hot when you're preaching in a coat. Now I'm not taking my blue jeans off. I want everybody, I want every man, woman, and young person in this house who has jeans on to stand up. Stand up. Wow. That's what I'm talking about. All right, you may be seated. If you don't like blue jeans, be patient with us. Wow. Be patient with all. Here's another one. Do not render evil for evil to anyone. There's never an excuse to do something or respond in a way that's evil. There's never an excuse to do something that's wrong. Even when somebody is attacking you from an evil vantage point, you don't get to respond in in an evil way. God says no, that breaks the rules of the redeems. You have to respond according to your spiritual nature, not your human nature. And you have to admit it is our human nature, isn't it? When somebody insults us, what do we want to do? Insult them back. When somebody criticizes us, we want to criticize them back. When somebody's mean to us, we want to be, that's our human nature. But the fact is, the moment you were born again and became a child of the living God, He put a new nature in you. You have a new spiritual nature down in your heart. And the Bible is calling upon us to respond with our spiritual nature. Now that doesn't mean you've got to be a pushover. That doesn't mean you, don't have, you have to agree with something that you think is wrong. Let me tell you a quick story. A little over a year ago, I was up in Kentucky deer hunting, and it was a paid hunt, and I had a guide. And this uh, guide uh, seemed to be a fairly nice guide, but I was not there, but just a day or two before I realized things aren't right, I'm not being treated fairly. Uh, What we were reading on the computer and looking at and, and all that they talked about, they were not doing that. And I just didn't like it. And so I told my God, I said, I don't like it. And he said, what do you mean you don't like it? I said, I don't like it. He said, I do this every day. This is what I do. This is my job. He said, you're not being mistreated. I said, I think I'm being mistreated. I don't think I'm getting what I, was pay, what I paid for. Now, you, listen, you can be a good Christian and you can stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ and you don't have to give in to something if you, don't think it's right, if you don't think it's right. And I said to him, no sir, this is wrong. This is wrong. We're not being, we're not being treated right. I don't like it. And he was, he was just... Rah, 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 rah. He, he was upset with me. In the midst of all that, I gave him a cross. And I told him, I'm going to be praying for you that the one who died on this cross will touch your heart and change your life. So here we were, two bulls, button heads. Neither one of us would budge. And yet in the middle of it, by the way, you can disagree with somebody and minister to them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be strong. I gave him a cross, told him I'd pray for him. I actually had prayer for him before I left. With the last words we had before I left, we were still just like this. We were crossed up. Several months later, I got a text from him. And then it went long after that, he started sending me some pictures. And, and, and he would text me and I would text him back. This past week, he sent me a text. And this is what he said in the text. I have it on my phone. I can show you. He said... Would you by any chance have any more of those crosses? And then he said, The cross you gave me saved my life. The cross you gave me saved my life. Wow, friends. You know, I thought we can all say that. The cross saved our lives. Listen, we need to get in the mood. We need to get in the mode. We need to to stand in a position where no matter what happens to us, no matter what goes on, we don't respond with evil. We don't respond with our human nature. We respond with our spiritual nature. And God can even take a fuss, a disagreement, turn it around for something for the glory of God. And then He says pursue, always pursue what is good. I've heard it said that everybody's chasing after something. Everybody's pursuing something. Well, the Bible tells us make sure what you're pursuing and chasing after is good. Now, this isn't a matter of good and evil. This is a matter of good. See, friends, you can spend your life chasing after and pursuing things that are not evil, not bad, not corrupt, not anti-biblical, but they're not good, they're not godly, they're not wholesome, and they will not make an eternal difference. Just make sure... That you're always pursuing what is good. And then rejoice always. Rejoice always. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care how good or how bad it is. You just rejoice always. Now the only way that statement in the Word of God can make any sense at all is you should. You have a choice. You can choose. You, you see... If you didn't have a choice, the Bible wouldn't tell you to do it. The fact is, you can teach yourself, you can train yourself, you can discipline yourself to rejoice always. To stay in a state and a position of rejoicing. You say, Pastor, how in the world is that possible? There's one way that's possible. And that is you keep your eyes on the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And you keep remembering the promises He's given you. And the eternal hope of glory that He's put in your heart. You see, you keep focusing on that. And you rejoice always. And then, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. You see, friends, the prayer life of the believer is to be non-stop, never-ending communion with God. Non-stop, never-ending communion with God. You should pray always, all the time. You say, Pastor, how could I get anything done if I prayed all the time? Oh, friends, you need to understand this. Whoever said you can't do two things at one time was wrong. In fact, you can do two things at one time better than you can do one thing at a time if one of the things you're doing is praying. Did you get it? You can do two things at one time better than you can do one thing at a time if one of the things you're doing is praying. Are you praying right now? You should be listening and praying at the same time. I'm preaching and teaching and I'm praying at the same time. I'm praying somebody here today will get stirred up and want to join this church. I'm praying somebody here will get stirred up and say, you know, I'm not sure I'm saved. I want to get saved today. I'm praying that somebody here will have a a wounded heart that starts healing. I'm praying somebody here today will say, you know what? I've been growing cold and I've been getting off course. I'm going to take this little list of 17 things and I'm going to get back on course and start following the rules for Rede- I'm praying for all that right now. You say, Pastor, how can you pray for all that and preach it at the same time? I am. You just have to take my word for it. That's exactly what I want. And that's what I'm praying for. Well, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Now, this is like always rejoicing and praying without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. You see, regardless of the situation or the circumstance you're going through in life, and by the way, friends, you are not unique. We all go through hard times. We all go through difficult times. We all get frustrated. Uh, we all feel like we're under attack at times. It, it just happens. And, and so, the Bible tells us to be thankful in everything Give thanks. In every situation of your life, you give thanks. We have Thanksgiving Day coming up Thursday, right? The world set that, and there's nothing wrong with it. I like it, and we celebrate it. But the fact is, God's Word tells us every day is to be Thanksgiving Day. In everything, give thanks. You just thank God for everything. And did you notice in the text it says, For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is God's will for your life. Sometimes people will come to me and they'll say, Pastor, I really want to know God's will for my life. Now, I can't give them the big complete picture, but I can say, well, hey, I can help you out with that. I can tell you a lot of what's God's will for your life. It's God's will for you to rejoice always. We just read that, didn't we? It's God's will for you to pray without ceasing, right? It's God's will for you to give thanks in everything. That's God's will. Hey, That list of 17 things you have in front of you, that's God's will. How do I know? Because it comes right out of the Word of God. That's the will of God. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why would I expect God to unfold and reveal to me His full will for my life when I won't even do the things that He says in His Word is His will for my life? So, we give thanks in everything. Do not quench the Spirit is the next one. The word quench means to extinguish something, to put something out uh, like a fire, to douse it with water. And the idea is don't quench or suppress or deny or resist the voice of the Holy Spirit. Friends, God talks to us. You, you, I'm glad you come and hear me preach. And I'm glad you come and hear us teach. But I'm telling you, if you're a child of God, God wants to talk to you. And sometimes the reason the Holy Spirit stops talking to us is because we douse it out with our own logic, with our own reasoning, with our own sense of understanding. I I want you to understand something. God understands things you don't understand. And, and, And so when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, don't quench it. Don't squelch it. Don't put it out. Don't do that. Can you tell I'm in a hurry this morning? I can hardly breathe. The next one, don't despise prophecies. That word prophecies means revealing things hidden, especially by foretelling future events. Now, why in the world would the Bible say not to despise prophecies? Because from the early days of the church, people started resenting and despising the prophetic word. And you have to be careful with this. And the Bible says don't do this. Don't despise the idea... That a infallible God can speak through a weak and fallible man, woman, or young person and reveal something immortal and eternal. Don't despise that idea. Don't despise that. Be open to the idea that God wants to, to speak through the prophetic word. Now, just so you won't misunderstand this, let me tell you what's not going to happen here at River of Life. We're not going to have people getting up right in the middle of my message and interrupting my preaching and giving a prophetic word. Priscilla, we're not going to have people getting up right in the middle of worship while you're leading and singing and give a prophetic word. Why are we not going to have that? Because the Bible tells us God's not the author of confusion. The Holy Spirit doesn't interrupt the Holy Spirit. There has to be order in everything. But if somebody in this church says, I have a word of prophecy that I believe is for River of Life Church, then you come share it with me or come share it with some of our board members or come share it with some of our spiritual leaders. And if there's a witness that this is a true Word from God, then I will personally call you to the pulpit, put a mic in your hand, and say, deliver the prophetic Word of God. And when we do that, we need to be careful if it's coming from a 12 or 13 year old child. Regardless of who it comes from. Don't despise the idea that God can speak through a flawed, weak vessel and speak something beautiful and glorious that will change the church. Don't despise prophecy. The next one is test all things. Now, you can't despise prophecy, but you can test it. Uh, And and this means to examine, to scrutinize, to take a close look at it. Uh, And not just prophecy, but everything in your life. You should be testing everything in your life. Does it line up with the Word of God? Does it line up with the Holy Spirit? Does it line up with my personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ? Does it line up? And if it doesn't line up, then it fails the test. You see, this is the biblical way of saying don't be gullible and believe everybody and everything you hear. It has to pass the test of God's Word and the leadership. Of the Holy Spirit. And if it violates that. Fails the test. You don't go there. And then the next one is. Hold fast what is good. Now this seems real simple. But boy the devil gets a lot of people right here. You see the idea is. Hold on to that which is good. Hold on to that uh, which is godly. Pure. Powerful. Positive. Wholesome. That which glorifies God. And glorifies the church. You hold on to what is good. And you hold on to it with all of your might. You take hold of it and you refuse to let go of it. You understand this morning that the moment you find something good, the enemy starts trying to take it away from you. That's the reason the Bible tells us to hold on to it. True story. I've had people come into this church sit through a few worship services, come up to me and say, Pastor, this is the most wonderful church I've ever been in in my life. This is the best thing. I've never been in a church like this. I've never felt so much love. I've never felt so much encouragement. Oh, thank you, Pastor. Wow, what a great church. I want to be a member of this church. And of course, I'm standing up here grinning ear to ear saying, yes, 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 yes. Two months later, they're gone. I call them up on the phone. I say, where are you? Well, so and so insulted me one day at church. Really? Really? It was that easy for the devil to steal from you the best thing you've found in years? Is it that easy for the enemy to take it away from you? Listen, the moment you find something good, the enemy will do everything in his power to strip it from you. Hold on to what's good. Take hold of it. Refuse to let it go. You uh, Listen, if God puts you in this church, if, everybody, if people line up to insult you, say, I ain't going nowhere. I'm staying right here. This is where my good Lord put me and I'm staying here. Or anything else in your life. Don't let the enemy take that which is good away from you. And then, hey, we're doing good on timing. Have you noticed that? Some of you are beginning to think he's actually going to make it. The next one is abstain from every form of evil. That means all kinds of evil. That means little evil, big evil, in between evil. If it's evil, stay away from it. Now, now did you notice it says abstain from every, say that word with me, form of evil. Now, why would the Bible say that? Because evil comes in all different kinds of forms. Evil can come in the form of a bottle, it can come in the form of a needle. It can come in the form of a pill. It can come in the form of a magazine. It can come in the form of a TV or a computer. It can come in the form of a good-looking coworker. It can come in the form of a best friend who no longer wants to serve God and is pulling you To the side, it can come in the form of a bad attitude. But what Paul is saying is if you want to be ready for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, you abstain from every form of evil. How do you know something's evil? Let's just back up. You put it to the test. You test it against God's Word. You test it against the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You test it against your own personal walk with Jesus. You test it. And if it doesn't pass the test, you abstain from it. You get it out of your life. You start cleaning things up with the help of the Holy Spirit. And then finally, I love this, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Now before we leave here today, we're going to all line up and kiss each other before we leave. (laughs) That would be awkward, wouldn't it? That That could probably reduce our membership but, but, but whatever else you think about it, it does mean this. According to the Bible, there should be a special and deep and intense love that exists in the body of Christ. We're to truly love on one another. There is to be an ongoing, open, public display of Christian love and affection in the body of Christ, And I think it would be next to impossible for you to speak to everybody here in this church. We're large enough now, that's not possible. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can come in every Sunday morning, every time the door is open, and you can see just how many people you can hug or shake hands with. And I'm not saying sometimes it may be appropriate to kiss somebody on the cheek if the Holy Spirit leads you to do that. But that you speak words of Christian love. And affection. You see, that's, that's what this is all about. And again, I think the idea of kissing everybody probably uh, would be culturally uncomfortable for us. But, but friends, you can, you can greet people. You can speak to them. I, I have to tell you this story. Years ago, true story, I'm not making this up. A woman comes into my office and she says, Pastor, I've got something to share with you. You're not going to believe it. I, I, I'm going to share it with you, but you, you're just not going to believe it. She said, it was just so unbelievable. I'm just still shocked by what happened. I, have, I think, okay, she's going to drop a bombshell on me. This is going to be terrible. And she said, You know, Sister So and so in our church? I said, Yes. She said, The other day I was in the bank. And she said, She walked in and she looked right at me. And she never even spoke to me. I said, Did you speak to her? She said, well, no. And I said, why didn't you speak to her? Because she didn't speak to me. And then I said to her, would you please tell me what I should say to her when she steps into my office this afternoon and tells me she ran into you at the bank and you never spoke to her. Now, I want to just quickly tell you that's not good counseling. Because when she left my office, she was not only mad with the woman at the bank, she was mad with me. But I'm telling you, friends, we are the redeemed of God. We've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. We are new creatures in Christ. Jesus Christ is our Lord and our King. And if you know Him, you are my brother. You are my sister. And I have an obligation from my Father to greet you with holy expressions of Christian love when I see you. Well, Paul says, I urge and exhort you to do these things. And these are not all the rules in the Bible, but these are rules for the redeemed that will get us ready for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought I'd like to go to a church service and I'd like for that church service to just radically change my life? I do that all the time. Well, friends, you take that list you have in your hand and you get serious about doing even the little things that God tells you to do and you'll see an explosion, a spiritual explosion in your life. And we'll grow together. And the process of sanctification We'll get stronger and stronger and more powerful in this fellowship. And one day when Jesus returns, we will not be ashamed. We will be ready and prepared. Would you bow with me in prayer?
0: Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.